this month we start the seventh year of a journey together. <laughs> and uh, I am your father. No. Um, <laughs> and we have a cause, and we have a mission, and we have a reason for being. And I hope that in your life, it's bigger than, than, than just existing, and it's bigger than just showing up at church, and bigger than just fighting the snow, and bigger than all that. So I hope there's something inside of you. Inside of me, there's something brewing that's, well, that's probably pretty normal for me. Maybe not normal for everybody else. And, and, and you know what, I really can't believe that, that we've made it this far together. Because I'll tell you what, five, four years ago, I wasn't sure I wanted to keep going. And that's just being really honest. But standing here today, I feel more encouraged. I feel more enthusiastic. I feel more... Uh, excited about where God is taking and where he's leading us than I've probably ever been in my entire life. I used to be a crazy youth pastor, and it didn't take much to excite me. But right at this moment, I am more excited now than probably I've ever been ever about anything going on in ministry. And that's honest, and that is truthful. And I wake up in the morning, can hardly wait to start my day. I will work long hours all day long trying to get things done, make sure things get accomplished. And it just, something has just ate me up, and I mean that. My wife is like, what's wrong with you? You're a whole different guy. And I'm like, I don't know. Something happened. I don't know. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm ready. We, you know, we've had ups and we've had downs. But you know what? We're still church triumphant. We're still CT. And that hasn't always been fun and it hasn't always been easy. But God's at work. And I've been asking you for the last several weeks. And, and Tammy Ogden just kind of solidified the deal for me that I was going to go this way this weekend after she was here last week. Uh, we've asked you to dream individual dreams. I've asked you to think about what God's called you to be. I've asked you to, to, to pray and fast for the first few weeks of the year, thinking about, God, what's going on? What do you want from me? Where can I go? What can I do? How can I, I be a tool in your hands? And I want today, I want us to think about what, not only is what God's saying to each of you as, a, as an individual, because God, God what, what Brian just ta- told us about a lady in a hospital, God's heart is for the one. The scripture Brian just read in, in John 4, he's about the one, but he does something with the one when he captivates their heart and he plants them in, amongst a group of other people and then they begin to do something together called living life and living mission. And my question to you today is not just what are you guys dreaming about. Maybe let's talk about what God is dreaming about, not just for the individuals, but for us. Where is he taking us together? Because I think your dream, I think your gift, I think your passion, I think your thing fits in not to just this own little trail that you get to walk. It fits into this big jigsaw puzzle. God's painting a picture of what he wants to accomplish in the earth. And you have a piece, but it's not just a random piece that's just stuck out there in space somewhere. It fits directly into God's big heart and God's big plan for, for, for us. But not just for us, for the world, for eternity. And that's amazing to me. And so this morning, I want to kind of take you on a journey. And I want, I want you to think about, today we're going to spend some time. I, we, I, I shared a lot of this um, last weekend with our, our ministry team, our ministry, our volunteer team. 
And, and, and I want the rest of the congregation to be aware. You know what? When you think about where God may have us, I know we look like we're, 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 we're down a little bit this morning. I just got a text from somebody. I can't believe they text me in the middle of service. Do me a favor. If you know I'm supposed to be preaching, don't send me a text message. Okay? Can you just not, can you just not do that for me? Because I get sidetracked easily. You can call me Doug if you want to. Um, but, but I want to say this. We're, we're heading someplace. We're going somewhere. Last year, when we did a ministry appreciation dinner, we had 127 people serving in 186 different capacities. This last, since that time last November, we've, we've added 20-something extra people just to the volunteer staff. We're up to 150 people serving, and I didn't tabulate all the, all the, the, the things that that represents. I don't know if it's 220 jobs. I, mean, I don't know what it is. I, I just know that, that our list has grown. And I want to say this. Three weeks ago, we had four families, new families show up. Last week, the week we start our new registration system, six families show up who've never been here before. And I go, okay, what the heck is going on? I didn't know. And my wife is like, what? this is crazy. And, and she's you know, like her feet are pushed to the fire, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I'm, I am genuinely excited. And so we're going to talk about our calls. We're going to talk about where we're going. Over the last few years, if you guys would walk into my office, you would see a big picture hanging on the wall. The church staff gave me like maybe a year or two into this, and I, I, I hung it around the wall. It's a big picture of a tree. It has a piece of scripture underneath it talking, talking about the light of God. And underneath it, I printed out two pieces of scripture that I just look at every day. And, and it reminds me. And the first one is, is in 1 Kings 3. And um, it reads like this. It's, it, this is just as Solomon's beginning to, to lead the country after David has passed. And he, he says these words. Solomon replied, you showed faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father. But I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And he says these words. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people. A nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well. You know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of those, those words I just read were on, on a piece of paper I printed out and put on my, on my wall. The Lord was pleased with Solomon, it goes on to say, and he asked, because he asked for wisdom, and so God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your means, I will give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart so that such as no one else has heard or ever will have. And my heart is this. I, I felt like Solomon right there. I felt like I was a kid. And this whole thing started, and I didn't know what I was doing and where I was going. And I promise, every moment, every day, God has supplied everything that I've needed. I'm not the wisest guy on the planet. Some people think I am because I'm my getting grayer and grayer as each day moves on. I'm not sure that I am, but I just know God's faithful. 
Psalm 90, verse 16 and 17 read like this. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. I love this piece of scripture because this piece of scripture is not just about the here and the now. True ministry is not just consumed with the here and the now. Or can I say it this way too? Not just the here and the now and not just the way back when in the good old days. True ministry is this. God, there's people coming behind us. We have physical biological children and prayerfully we'll have a whole parcel more of spiritual children than we have biological children and somebody's got to be able to lead the way guide their hearts guide their lives guide their minds guide their direction for their life and make sure that when we're done with our part of the journey the ministry the zeal the vision of God continues to go on and so when I sit back and think about these are things that are ever before me all the time, these words, these thoughts, I sit a minute and I sit and I pray and I ask God, what in the world are we doing? Where are we going? In, in, in light of that, I, I know I've said this over the last several weeks numerous times, but this is things over the last few months, in particular, these things have, 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 have been the, the, the guiding points of my days, not just my weeks, not just my month, but my days. I read this book at the end, of, at the, sort of beginning of May last year, when, he, when I read these words, it became kind of an anthem for my life. At the end of the day, here's what I've learned. At any given moment, I want to know my, what my father is saying to me and what he's saying to our community. And I want to respond in loving obedience. And the questions are this, what is God saying? What am I? Or what are we going to do about it? Those are the questions. Mike Green writes in his book that, that in many ways they got caught up in something that was bigger than they were, bigger than life. That even to the point that their church would have to shut down its normal corporate gathering weekly, that the church, the ministry, the people kept doing the work of ministry and the, the, the body itself, the community itself kept growing, though they had, for months didn't have a, a gathering like this. He said, we were cutting something bigger. We found it because we took the words of Jesus at face value. And we consistently ask ourselves those two questions over and over and over again. What is God saying? What am I going to do about it? When we start dreaming big, those words should consume us. Because daily we have to ask them. Not just me, not just the board, not just the, the, the leaders around the church, but when we will be doing significantly what God wants to do when each one of us wake up every day and we say, God, what are you saying? God, what can I do to make your dream, your vision, your passion come true? What can I do today, Jesus? With the people I have to interact with in my own home, with the people I have to interact with in my neighborhood, with the people I have to interact with at my workplace, with the people I have to interact with with my daily comings and goings at the grocery store, at the hospital, wherever. God, what are you saying? What am I going to do about it? When we get there, we'll be someplace. As your, as your pastor, I, I, I got some things I think God is saying to us as a whole. We could, we could right now, I give you some good information that our, our ministry staff, our volunteer staff has grown over the last 12 months or whatever. It'd be real easy at that moment to go, oh yeah, we're good, it's good, it's so good, yeah, everyone's good. And sit down and take it easy. 
wouldn't it be so easy? But can I say something? Jesus hasn't given us a cause to sit down with him. He hasn't given us a reason to let up. For me, praying about what God wants us to do, I will not be satisfied with where we're going until we accomplish his goal for our lives. Because the sign that we put back there on purpose shows a mom and her two kids. And we chose that picture on purpose because I wanted everybody to realize that it happens on e at an everyday life level. A mom being a mom and kids being kids and kids can even be used by God. And it says there, every believer can minister. And that's something that, 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 that drives me. Is giving people space and place to fulfill their calling. But that word can makes me mad. You know why it makes me mad? Because for some of you, you think it gives you a pass. Every believer can. I don't have time right now. I've got a lot going on. I've got this happening. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. And then all of a sudden, you let up. And you're, for me, I would, at one point I wanted to put should on there. Every believer should. But for me, at a vision level, it's not just can or should. For me, it's that every believer, every follower of Jesus does minister. And that doesn't necessarily mean at a ministry level, volunteer staff level even. That means every moment of every day, every believer wakes up going, Jesus, this is not my life, this is your life. What do you want to do with it? And all really the volunteering at the church gets to do is give you place for training and encouragement and space to begin to develop the skills God's given you so you can take it out someplace else. Because if it's trapped behind these four walls, it's not really getting much done. But when it gets outside these four walls, it begins to function in everyday life, real, with real people, with real issues, with real problems, because there's a real God who wants to save them out of it, then suddenly we're doing what we need to do. And so that's why the volunteer staff isn't even a real indication yet that we've accomplished our goal. It's when I start hearing stories like, Aaron, I was at the grocery store. I felt compelled to do this and buy the person food in front of me. And I didn't even know what they were at. And they turn around to me and they begin to cry and say, listen, you don't know. I, I didn't know how I was going to pay the rest of my bills this week. And I was doing this just to make sure my kids could eat. And then you go, you know what? I didn't do this. Jesus did. Because he loves you. He's going to put it in my heart. He gave me enough to give away. And there's that moment in the everyday life where the believer becomes a minister, becomes Jesus at the well with the woman. That's the, that's the place God's taking us to. That's the place God wants us to be. That our jobs stop being secularized and just a job that I do. And all of a sudden my life becomes a worship thing to God, an offering to God. And I'm do, I'm, I may be getting paid by so-and-so, but I'm there because God's ordered my steps. He's placed me there and eternity needs to change for somebody. And that's why I'm there. My life is an offering. My life is a giving to God. My whole thing, everything that I do, if I'm just operating a machine, if I'm just cashing out uh, change for, for people in a store, if I'm just... Caring for people sweeping the floor or doing something like that. It's holy unto God because he's called me there and he's directed my steps. And I woke up this morning going, God, what are you saying? And what am I going to do about it? 
I am, I am jazzed. I'm not angry. Please don't misconstrue. I'm just very intense. If it's okay for crazy Seahawks fans to act crazy and scream till they have no voice, it's okay for people who have eternity in their chest to go crazy too, too. Am I all right with that? This, my, my, I think God's heart for us is this, that this thing that we're involved in called the kingdom gets, uh, gets going so quickly, gathers such momentum in this place with this group of people that it's unstoppable. That it just stops being a, a, a program schedule with a bulletin that suddenly all, all of us are doing something. And suddenly our neighborhoods don't look the same. And suddenly our, our homes don't look the same. And suddenly our, 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 our families are changing. And our workplaces are altering. And things are going on that absolutely seem like, dude, it's just crazy. That, 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 that God would use us all the time. Mike, Mike Breen writes this book. Ultimately, you've got a movement on your hands. When the kingdom DNA of something is so transformative and so reproducible that the kingdom of God continues to expand, I love this part, with little to no direct effort from the center. In other words, it takes on a life of its own. For too long, ministry, especially in our world, our Western culture, we have waited for the pastor to tell us what the next thing is to do. When the next event's going to show up, I mean, that's when ministry happens, but we're having this event, Right? No, ministry happens as the people of God take the word of God, the love of God, the spirit of God with them into places. And suddenly, you don't have to wait for Pastor Aaron to pray for you about something. You're at the spot. You're at the place. Somebody hurts. You get the bracelet on. And suddenly you go, dude, it's time. And something happens. That's when we'll know that we're right where we need to be. Where the email at the church is blowing up because each one of you are like, do you want people having to work today? Oh, my gosh. You won't believe what happened in my neighborhood. I was just out there with my neighbor. And all of a sudden, we started talking. And they said they were hurting. And so I took them over and said, can I pray for you? And we prayed. And they got healed right there. What happened? I don't know what happened. I didn't call my group leader. I didn't call the intercessors. I just did it. And something crazy would happen. That's when we'll know we're doing what God's called us to do. That we're really in, in the vein, man. In the zone. You ever watch those three-point shooters when they're in the zone? And no matter where you're shooting from, no matter who's in their face, it just goes in. We'll know we're in the zone when that starts happening. We'll know we're in the zone when, when, when things like that are going. And, 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 and we can hear what I'm saying. You're a part of a team. God, teams are huge in Scripture. Think about Moses and Aaron and Miriam. They were a team. Now, they had problems. Moses had to straighten out his brother and sister a couple times. Hey, wait a minute. They went out and did it. Think, think of Jonathan and David, or Jonathan and his armor bearer. Think about Gideon and his 300 guys. Think about Jesus and his 12, or him sitting out two by two. Or Think of Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas. Teams are everything. See, God wants this, this community of believers to be a team, that we're functional, and we're on the field, and we're there for each other, and we're encouraging one another, and we're doing stuff together. There's a team of leaders in this, build, in this building in this church, I hate referring to a church as a building. Jesus, when Jesus said the word church, he was not talking about a building. You go read the scripture, you can find out what God, when Jesus chose the word he chose, it had nothing to do with the facility, it had nothing to do with an address, it had nothing to do with a post office box, or anything like that. it had everything to do with a group of people who were called out from something to go do something magnificent for the kingdom. That's what it was about. There's a group of people within this community, we call them core leaders. I'm going to tell you something. There's some of the best people on the planet to serve with, man. And I feel like we have just gelled together. 
If you're a core leader in this room right now, would you just stand up where you are? I see one. I see another one. I see another one. I see another one. Now, you guys aren't core. You guys aren't core leaders. You're from my, you know, just sit down for a minute, Jim. Sit down for a minute. The reason I'm making this up is because these people serve in significant roles. They're trying to put a team around them. Okay. Jim, here's something I want you to know. Sometimes, for the momentum to gather the way it needs to, it, it there needs to be a shifting that takes place. Okay. Some people come. Some people go. Some people are doing one thing, and then the next season, God said, it's time to jump over here. And I look around this room, the ones that are standing right now, they've all moved a little bit. And as they've moved, things have gathered around them, or are gathered. Jim's embarking, we'll talk about this maybe with you guys in a few weeks. Jim's embarking on a new journey, going to take on a new role here at the church. Going to require him to put people around him. Nancy has God, God miraculously moved on, on her behalf to get her out of a, a government agency, and then she's here and she works. I work her to death. I always something I'm giving away to her. Can you do and I, asked her, I just asked her for is this too much? Am I giving you too much to do? And she's like, no, she just smiles. Says, Whatever you may do, I got it. I'm like, oh, great. Todd Jones. Is, 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 is starting a new, a, new, a new thing of ministry here where he's going to do some, some specialized teaching type stuff. And he's, he's going to be launching out and needing a team around him doing some mentoring and, and things like that. Don Anderson, God sent, us to, sent, sent him to us from OCU as an intern. He just refuses to leave. We can't get rid of him. <laughs> and he just keeps wanting to do other stuff. And he's going to be coordinating our, our discipleship training from now on and putting all those pieces together. And I say that there's other leaders, Patrick and... and um, uh, Sheila and uh, Mary Moore. I mean, there's, there's a hunk of them. And we, we were here praying Friday night together. And man, I, I get so jazzed when I pray with those people. I, it's, 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 here's what I'm saying. They're going to be asking for help. And they may walk up to you and go, I think you've got something significant on the inside of you. God wants to use it. And here's the spot. Just be, become a part of the team. There may be other leaders in this group. I hope teams gather around every place because we can do nothing alone. And if you're serving in some capacity in this church and you're, you're teaching or you're group leading or doing whatever and you're not currently involved, you guys can sit down. Man, it's like, can I please sit down now? Can I just please sit down? If you're not currently right now taking what you do and replicating the life of somebody else, you're missing it. If you're a children's church leader and you're teaching over there and there's a monitor next to you who's helping in class and you're not going, listen, this is what I learned about talking to kids and helping kids, and you're not doing that on a consistent basis, you're missing the boat. Discipleship is not a thing that we do. Listen, discipleship is the thing that we do. And discipleship grows in two arenas, when we have relationship with one another and when we have responsibility with one another. And you really can't grow until you get close to people. And until you let them start being relational to you, and you, you start doing what God asked to do. Kim, Kim Ward's sitting back there. She's taking on the task of operating the cafe. You know what? She needs help. And if you are going to be here and just sit on a Sunday morning and you're not even willing to serve coffee, I wonder if you're even saved. And that's just being honest. Because servanthood is not a thing in the kingdom. It is the thing in the kingdom. And it's time we stood up and said, listen, we're going to be about the kingdom business. And serving a cup of coffee isn't going to be the end thing for you, but it's going to be a start. It's going to be at the beginning of you relating to other people and growing with other leaders who've been walking with Jesus and, and finding yourself being stretched in all kinds of directions. We're not supposed just to be a ceremonial group of people. 
We're supposed to be an active, functional instrument in the hands of God. And what we do here at this location is mere training for what's supposed to take place out there. I love you guys. Here's another thing I want to say. Over the next few weeks, months, all of those people who just stood with addition to some other people, my dad, Patrick, I give them the task. We're going to keep funneling stuff to you to help you keep growing. So every week, I got a blog I've had for years. I, heard, I used to never hardly po- tweet, post anything to it. I felt Lord said, Aaron, you've got to do as much as you can to make sure people are getting the word of God as much as they can get it, even when they're not at service. And so every other week, I'm going to write something. You can go to the website, click on, my, click on our team. You'll see my face underneath the little bio thing. It'll say, Pastor Aaron's blog or something like that. And you can click that, become a subscriber. Every time I post something, it'll pop up. But every other week, it's not going to be me you're hearing from on that blog. It's going to be one of these guys. And they love it when I put them on a spot like that. And by the way, you should go to there. You should go there like today because Nancy Carter wrote an incredible blog last week. And it was awesome. Called In Christ Alone. And she didn't even know John Ogden was going to use that song in service last week. And it was awesome. So be aware of that. Here's what I want to say. If we're going to be a part of the kingdom movement, there's certain things we have to know are a part of the kingdom movement. Number one, it's reproduction. Movements are about this at every level. Reproducing ourselves. I should be reproducing myself in somebody's life. Somewhere, somehow. There should be what God's placed in me getting transferred to someone else. This should be the way it goes. Disciples. We need to reproduce people who look like Jesus. Every disciple should be a disciple-making disciple. If in the wake of your Christianity, there's nobody coming behind you, you need to take a gut-level check and go, dude, am I really walking with Jesus? Because Jesus' plan is this, that every disciple produces more disciples. And if you've walked with Jesus for more than a period of time and you don't have any results of that, something's not working right. In intimacy, reproduction happens. If you're being intimate with the one who created you, the one who loves you with all of his heart, all of his being, something creative is going to occur. In the natural, we call that having children. In the spiritual, you know what we call that? Making disciples. And so that needs to be happening in our lives. I hope that's a challenge. I hope that's not a condemnation for you because the Holy Spirit is challenging all of us to get in that boat. I watched Mary Moore, her, her intercessors and her group. She, she, I used to put her on the spot when she was in my group. Every time I'd turn around, I'd ask her to teach, and she'd freak out. And you know what she does now? She does the same thing to her people. And I watched them grow, and I watched them become more like Christ. I watched them serve Jesus greatly. And I watched each of them go, Phew. I watched Mike Higginbotham's group do the same thing. Mike puts all his people on the spot. His, he can, his, his, he's one of the largest group of guys. And he just keeps asking to teach and share and do things. And they just keep growing. And it's like, dude, it's awesome. Because you know why? That's the DNA of the church. Disciple making disciples keep making disciples. We keep being stretched. We keep stepping out of, out of boats onto the water. We keep growing together. We keep finding people who don't yet know Christ. And our intention is this. They find a way to get to him. And when they, when they get there, we just keep helping them grow. And sometimes the growing process in their life spiritually starts before they ever bow their knee to Jesus. It starts by asking questions. It starts by offering uh, input. It starts by giving advice. It starts by loving on them and praying for them, even when they don't even realize what the heck's going on. It starts there. 
I am pretty jazzed. I'm sorry. There needs to be vehicles, ways of moving, right? They need to be, to be reproducible for our mission, our discipleship, that are lightweight and low maintenance. The problem with the way we used to do church is this. It's heavy. you got all this apparatus and all this structure and all this thing you got to kind of work through to get to it. When all God's saying is, people just go and be. And if we're, if we're related enough to each other, we don't need a whole lot of apparatus around us. If I know Brian well enough, I can take Brian, I've seen him grow, I can put some Bible study resources in his hands, I can say, Brian, you got some dudes right there at Deer Creek. You know why? Go get them, man. Put them in his hand. I don't expect, I expect Brian to show up to a meeting every other week to get something accomplished. I go, Brian, go get him. You have a problem, call me. I'll check in on you. How's it going? We'll pray. And all of a sudden it becomes low maintenance, but it becomes high mobility. All of us have neighbors. All of us have coworkers. See, if I, could, if I could empower you with those resources back there by that target, all of a sudden a kingdom could take place that wouldn't require 85 meetings and all sorts of budget and all sorts of craziness. It could be like, you know, we're just doing it. Woo! I mean, if, if we were where we need to be, when Brian talks about taking a 28-cent bracelet that you guys made possible because you give in this thing every week, Okay? We go just go in a whim and say, God, we feel like you want to get this message that, that you want people. 28-cent bracelet. He gives it away to a sick lady. She gets saved. You know what should have happened in here? It should have been worse than the, the, the stadium in Seattle. The stadium in Seattle, when those Seahawks are moving, they say it's like, it's like an earthquake. They've taken Richter scales in there and measured the vibration of all the noise. And the Bible says if one comes to faith in Christ, all of heaven throws a party. Well, y'all, I'll tell you something. You are not a citizen of this place. You're a citizen of that place. And when you hear that somebody's come to faith in Christ, something will inside you. You make you want to grab a towel, jump on top of something, and scream and go, you know what? Eternity just changed, and I got to be a part of it. Because you know why? I gave it an offering. God put it in the pastor in charge to give something away. He gave Leah the creativity to make a bracelet. Brian took advantage of it, took it to work with him. And all of a sudden, somebody got saved. And don't go on it. Heaven is different now. I get tired of watching Americans get all jazzed up about football and basketball and baseball. And when somebody talks about somebody gets saved, they go, Can we go get Arby's now? It depends on what time it is. We've been here for all of an hour and 20 minutes. Frustrates me, man. This game is the real game. This game's the one that matters. This one's the one that's eternal. This is the one where lives are altered. In a couple weeks, we'll have baptisms in here. And I hope you guys pull the roof off this place. There'll be a lady getting in the tub. Who came to Harvest Fest? Her first interaction with Church Triumphant was at Harvest Fest. She and hopefully her soon-to-be husband and her two kids don't miss. She's locked into Mary Moore's group, and she can hardly wait. To, if I had a baptism, she'd probably run and dive over this thing just to get in the water. And when she gets in there, when Dana Stein jumps in the pool, I hope you guys go absolutely bonkers. I hope you rally and shout and pretend like you're in the dog pound in Cleveland. I don't even care if you can throw dog bones or not. 
and just go, you know what? It matters. When I see Daryl Green sitting here on the end of this thing, my heart leaps for joy. Because you know what? This lady prayed for him for years. Amen. And on Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, 2008, that guy got out of this pew, walked up to that altar. And every time I think about Daryl, my heart goes, ah! Because I remember, I remember him walking down this aisleway and standing here in front of me. And we, he, t- the guy, tears streaming down his face. It's just time. Yes! Man, I'm, i got to go. i got things to do, man. The four M's that make this thing up. There's a mission. That's the outward expression of what's going on in here. If you've come to faith in Christ, something ought to be turning on the inside of you. The nation go, dude, i got to get this to somebody else. Something ought to be, ah, i got something to do. God loves me. He's called me. He saw me before the beginning of time. He made a way for me. He was the lamb slain before the beginning of the foundation of the earth. And he saw me and he loved me. And now he wants to go take his stuff to other people. Where can I do it? People of mission. We should be people of message. Listen, methods do change, but that message doesn't change. We're all sinful and lost and messed up, but the grace of God is bigger than all our mess. Jesus died to fill the gap. He put, us, he put himself right in the middle of the chasm between us and God and said, come on, walk across here on me. I got it. And every person on this part of the human race needs to know that message, not just about how to lose weight, how to make themselves better. They need to, they need to, they need to know about the grace and the power of God that changes a life. There should be the miraculous following us. 